We are locked on Saints, but is Jake Hayner now a Saints roster lock? We got all of that and a little bit of Lanyap for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Don't forget, you could subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we can continue the conversation one-on-one over at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Saints. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. And of course, you can find me every Tuesday on Locked on NFL's podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. We thank you as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day on today's episode. We're going to be talking Hall of Fame candidates. Are there any for the New Orleans Saints on today's present roster, right, in terms of future Hall of Famers? We'll have the same discussion over on the defensive side, headlined, of course, by Cam Jordan, who is without a doubt a Hall of Famer once his career is over. But I want to start off today's episode with some new news from around the NFL because the National Football League made a decision today that could make New Orleans Saints rookie quarterback, Fresno State grad Jake Hayner, a roster lock going into 2023. All right, a little bit more of a roster lock is what I should say, because we're pretty sure that Jake Hayner was going to be the third quarterback on the roster behind Derek Carr and, of course, behind Jameis Winston for this last year of Jameis Winston's contract. And it's almost a certain thing that after this season, Jake Hayner will effectively become the immediate backup quarterback to Derek Carr. These two are massively connected. They have known each other for quite a while. They went to the same school, of course, much later, one much later than the other, but the other has always, one has always been a mentor to the other. They have a pre-existing relationship beyond just Fresno State uniforms, right? So it was very clear from the very beginning when the Saints selected Jake Hayner that they were looking at him as somebody that was going to be a fantastic backup behind their starting quarterback in Derek Carr in the long term. It could potentially develop into more, but considering that he's not a quarterback that they invested a first or second round pick in, doesn't seem likely that he'll be somebody that pans out just based on the odds of the way that that has rolled out over the course of the past 10 years in the NFL. However, the NFL did something that at least makes it a for sure thing that uh, that Kyle Krabs is going, Kyle Krabs, Kyle Krabs just texted me. That's so funny. Kyle Krabs is our host of Locked on Dolphins, and he literally just texted me, and I just said his name out loud. Jake Hayner, excuse me, uh, is going to be a roster lock for the New Orleans Saints beyond what we already assumed. And the thing that the NFL did was that they voted yes on a couple of different things, some awful, but this one really good. They voted yes on a motion to allow a third rostered quarterback on your game day roster to not count as one of your 46 active players. Now, you would still have that third quarterback that you carried on your 53-man roster game to game or in between each game, but every single game, you have to have 46 active players out of your 53-man roster. That's why you always see us you know, tweet about inactives and all those other things. 
So for New Orleans, they will now be able to carry Jake Hayner in addition to Derek Carr and Jameis Winston as their third quarterback without having to give up an additional game day roster spot. So that spot can go to an additional wide receiver. That spot could go to an additional uh, you know, special teams player that the Saints want to have, an additional offensive lineman or defensive lineman, depending upon the matchup, an additional, additional running back. However it is that they want to use that, they now have that additional spot that they can use. So when it comes down to where the, um, where the Saints can land, uh, or where, where, rather where, um, you know, how the Saints can use this, it's, I've seen a lot of people say, well, why use it on Jake Hayner? Why not use it on Taysom Hill, carry him as the 47th quote unquote player on your roster, and then have him go and do all the things and he'll be your emergency quarterback. Well, the stipulation by the NFL, and I promise you, promise you that the New Orleans Saints and Taysom Hill were very likely a part of this conversation, is that that third quarterback has to be an emergency quarterback, can only be called upon if the first two quarterbacks are injured. That means you can't bench one or the other to get to the third quarterback or anything like that. The first two quarterbacks have to be injured in order for you to be able to play that third rostered but non-counting quarterback. The other piece of it is that when it comes to Taysom Hill, you can't use him anywhere. And so what that means is that if you have Taysom Hill as your third quarterback on your game day roster, you can't use him anywhere on the field unless those two starting quarterbacks or the starting quarterback and the, and the primary backup get hurt. So it's not as simple as, oh, Taysom Hill is the third quarterback, therefore he doesn't count against our game day roster spot and we're going to use him all over the place. The Saints can't do that. They instead would have to carry him as the emergency quarterback that can only be used smash in case of emergency wise. So it doesn't work to sign up to kind of circumvent the active game day rosters in order to be able to just utilize Taysom Hill willy nilly without him counting for a roster spot. But this does absolutely end up helping a ton in terms of having that emergency quarterback and having a guy like Jake Hayner stick on the roster throughout the season and be the active guy on game days that doesn't take up a roster spot. It, it prepares the Saints in case and if we follow the trail of where this rule really comes back to, it's the one of the NFC playoff games last year when the San Francisco 49ers lost both of their starting quarterbacks. And then Christian McCaffrey was warming up to potentially come in and play quarterback. And they had to throw you know a third string quarterback in there. And so basically the way that this that the reason why this helps is because now you always have that extra rostered quarterback that you can put out on the field just in case you have an injury at the first two spots. So that's the way that the rule came about. That's how the rule impacts the New Orleans Saints. No, they can't use it to get tricky, more even more tricky than usual with Taysom Hill, but it does mean good things for Jake Hayner, who is expected to be the long-term primary backup here over the course of the next few seasons. The other things that the NFL did also vote on, or the other thing that the NFL passed in their voting was that Thursday night games can now be flexed to Sundays and all that other stuff. Um, I believe it only applies to weeks 13 through 17. They have to give a 28-day notice before it happens because you know fans could buy a ticket, let's say, to the Saints and Rams game and in, in Los Angeles for a Thursday night game and then all of a sudden have that game pushed back to Sunday if both teams are performing extremely well. And then you're kind of, you know, out of luck if you're a Saints fan that's trying to travel to Los Angeles. And somehow the NFL believes oh, we'll just give them a 28-day notice and then everyone will be fine. And that's just not the way that life works. But that's what happens when you let billionaires make decisions about things that non-billionaires have to end up being impacted by. Completely out of touch. So I'm, I'm very much 
all about F the NFL when it comes to that rule, because the NFL is basically like F all of you uh, in terms of their response to that. So not a big fan of that ruling. That's fine. We'll deal with it. Um, coming up next, let's take a look at how many rosters, oh, excuse me, not roster spots, Hall of Famers, the New Orleans Saints have on the defensive side of the football, because it's easier to find, actually, for the Saints defense, a little bit tougher over on the offensive side. Let's get to it here as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, the uh, number one sportsbook in all of America, and of course, an official NFL uh, partner as well over at FanDuel. They're also the official online betting sponsors of the NBA, and of course, here on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. So maybe you want to get in on some of the early lines when it comes to the Saints game week action. There's the week one odds are already up their favorite at home against the Tennessee Titans, just barely. So you can go and maybe get in on that. Maybe you want to get in on some more of the uh, Jermichael Jordan uh, series, Jimmy Butler being the modern day Michael Jordan out uh, on these NBA courts right now and get involved in some of the NBA betting fan duels. Absolutely the place to go for that as the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So you definitely want to go and check them out for whatever your betting needs are, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, or otherwise golf. Uh, they've got auto racing. They've got horse racing so much that you could check out, including also game day props, all of that. And if you go and check them out today and you're a first time user, you're going to be able to get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 that can come back to you in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't hit. So go and check them out today, fanduel.com slash locked on to get in on that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets, fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. And today we're taking a look at Hall of Fame players for New Orleans. But keep in mind that tomorrow morning you'll have a brand new episode of Locked on Saints up for all the everydayers out there that make us your first listen of the day. We'll be taking a look at defense, the defensive side of the football when it comes to OTAs. What are some of the big questions that we're hoping to see answered uh, with OTA is opening up tomorrow, so we'll have a lot of good stuff for you there as well. Coming up, though, now, uh, what I want to look at is how many Hall of Fame players the Saints have over on the defensive side. And for those of you that are here live, um, I see John Butler, the one and only. I see Roe. I see Jerry, uh, Mario. I thought I saw uh, Hoodie Jube out here a little bit earlier. But if you're here, uh, tell me, how many, which players on the defensive side do you think are hall, future Hall of Famers for the New Orleans Saints. Do I care if they're going to be first ballot Hall of Famers, second ballot Hall of Famers, 15th ballot Hall of Famers? No, couldn't care less. I just mean, who are the players that you think that could be or should be considered for the Hall of Fame that are currently on this New Orleans Saints roster on the defensive side? Because there's one very clear answer on the defensive side, and that is Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan has had seven and a half sacks since the second year of his career and has never fallen below that. Since 2012, he has also uh, let he leads the the franchise in sacks with 115 and a half. He leads the franchise and tackles for a loss. The guy has absolutely had an, a, a Hall of Fame NFL career, and he's only missed two games in the entirety of his career as well. The first one happened because of uh, the uh, uh, you know, COVID, uh, basically it was a COVID illness and he ended up missing that game along with like 50 other players that missed that same game against, a, uh, against the, uh, Miami dolphins years ago. And then last year he missed the game because of a fractured orbital bone, fractured orbital bone. That's this thing right here around your eyeball fractured. 
And honestly, the Saints had to fight to keep him off the field. And in fact, he actually fractured that early on in the Pittsburgh Steelers game and told me and some of the other New Orleans media members that were there in Pittsburgh that he played about 98% of that game with one eye. This guy is absolutely a Hall of Famer, and there's no question about it. But who are some of the all of the other Hall of Famers that are around him? And oh, if you're wondering too about like how do you know that he's a Hall of Famer, um, there's actually a really nice resource on this. It's over at Pro Football Reference. They have a Pro Football Hall of Fame monitor, basically. And so if you look at Cameron Jordan based upon the amount of like Hall of Fame points that he's awarded, he sits right now with 77.6, and he's got a couple years left. The average is right around 100 points, but the amount of points that he has are above Leroy Selman. They're above Richard Dent. They're above uh, Charles Haley, above uh, Claude Humphrey, uh, above uh, Fred Dean, and several others that are already in the Hall of Fame. It's also above Jared Allen, who made it through quite a bit. So I think that you look at where Cam Jordan is and how much time he potentially has left to play two, three, four years, uh, there's a good chance that he even strengthens his bid as a future Hall of Famer while he or before he is done with his time here in New Orleans. So that's an easy one for me. Cam is 100% a Hall of Famer to me. The other interesting ones over the defensive side are guys like Demario Davis and Tyron Matthew. These are guys that have played a lot in the NFL, that have had a lot of experience. What's going on, everybody? Appreciate y'all being here. Um, and have been in a situation to where you have watched them have successful careers with multiple teams, Demario Davis with the Jets, with the with the Browns, with the Saints, um, uh, uh, Tyron Matthew with the the uh, the Cardinals, the the Texans, the the Chiefs, and now the Saints, and he's had success at all three at all four of those places. Demario Davis has had success in all three of his teams, and you see them consistently being the best players on the field when they're on the field among some of the best players at their position in the NFL when they're you know, play out a full season and everything. I, I think both of those guys have a really, really good shot of being Hall of Famers as well. And I think that, again, whether you think about first ballot Hall of Famer, whether you think about Hall of Famer later on, things like that, like there's, who knows? But the idea is that these guys have Hall of Fame pedigree. They have Hall of Fame resumes, Hall of Fame quality play on the field. The other interesting ones are the ones who simply haven't actually played enough games for us to know yet, but you can kind of see the Hall of Fame sort of it factor being there for them if the production continues. And of course, when I say that, I mentioned Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore has only played 80 games in the NFL. And so I, I don't know that there's enough right now to sit back and for sure say, yes, Marshawn Lattimore is on a it has had a Hall of Fame career. And in fact, most of the players, maybe with the exception of Cam Jordan, if they finish their careers today, may not ever be Hall of Famers. Like they still need more time and you want to see more success with them and things like that. With Marshawn Lattimore, it's very much a projection. Is he on a Hall of Fame trajectory? Potentially. Is he a Hall of Famer at the moment? No, right? Because he hasn't been in the NFL long enough. He only got into the NFL in 2017. So I think that that's something that we have to keep in mind too is, you know, there are some players that are easy to get excited about. Marshawn Lattimore, guys like, um, I, I'll mention, um, you know, Alonze Taylor, all that. It, it's way too early to have those types of conversations about those players because they haven't been around long enough. But if there's anybody there that has the most intrigue out of the players that haven't seen enough NFL action just yet, Marshawn Lattimore has to top the list 
for you. And so I look at Cam, I look at Demario, I look at Tyron, and then I look at Marshawn, uh, a distant uh, Marshawn being a distant kind of third tier with Cam being first tier and then with Demario and Tyron being kind of second tier. Those are the players that I think right now that you can kind of put a little bit of some version, some degree of a Hall of Fame stamp on, on the Saints defensive side. Uh, I want to give a shout out real quick to Brett Cecil, who says, you, sir, are what gets me through the day. And I look forward to every episode of an everyday watcher. Thank you so much, Brett. I really appreciate that. Y'all get me through every day as well. So that's us looking over on the defensive side where maybe the answers are a little bit more obvious, especially Cam Jordan as future Hall of Famers in this New Orleans Saints team. But what about over on the offensive side? Now that Drew Brees is gone, Drew Brees was sort of the surefire Hall of Famer. But what about the other players that are on the roster right now on the offensive side? Is there anybody that checks enough boxes to become a Hall of Fame player on this New Orleans Saints roster? Let's get to that as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. Let me see some your team every days in the chat. Appreciate everybody being here live later, whenever it is that you're catching it. Don't forget, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. If you want to continue the conversation one-on-one with me, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints, get all of the OTA updates a little early, all that other stuff as well, and a lot more as we get to like training camp and game days and all that other stuff. So lots of good stuff. All right, I'm seeing Roe in the chat right now getting us started on who are the players on the offensive side that are future Hall of Famers. And he says Trey Quan Smith, and he's saying it with 100% sincerity. He's not being sarcastic. He's not joking. Roe City means it. Trey Quan Smith is a future Hall of Fame. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, obviously. I'm joking around with Roe City here. But seriously, let me know who you think are the offensive players or the players on the Saints offense today that could be future Hall of Famers. I want to start off the conversation with the quarterback because the quarterback is always the place that you look at that goes, that's the position, right? That's the position that wins Hall of Fames, right? That's the position that gets Hall of Fame stuff. So what about, what about Derek Carr? And I do think that when it comes to Derek Carr, you are still projecting towards the end of his career. You have to say that he's going to have a strong finish to his career. And if he has a strong finish to his career, then there's a little bit of an argument there. There's not a lot of quarterbacks out there that have been voted into the Hall of Fame that haven't won Super Bowls. Warren Moon, Sonny Jurgensen, Dan Fouts. And all of those guys were voted in a long time ago, right? At this point, like at least long enough ago for us not to really be able to say, oh, okay, well, that fits the modern day criteria of what a you know, Hall of Fame quarterback is today. Warren Moon, um, you know, finished his his playing days in what two thousand, so he was voted in after that. You saw guys like Jurgensen, of course, who played in nineteen fifties, uh, and then who was the other? It was Dan Fouts, and then Dan Fouts played uh, in the seventies and eighties. So we're we're talking a pretty good gap here in between when those quarterbacks were brought into the Hall of Fame and when today's era of quarterbacks could be brought into the Hall of Fame. And so really the thing that you're looking at is, does Eli Manning make it into the Hall of Fame with a 50-50 record, has won 118 career games, has lost 118 career games, and has never won a Super Bowl? If Eli Manning gets it, oh no, wait, of course he's won a Super Bowl. I'm a dummy. So then never mind. He's not He's not enough of an example. He doesn't have two Super Bowls, if I remember correctly. I can't remember what the point I was going to make here is. 
Uh, but anyway, I think that when you look at where um, P.S. he's got two Super Bowl wins, so he's got a 50-50 record, but he's got a pair of Super Bowl wins. And so if he makes it in, it just continues sort of this trend of can a quarterback who's never won a Super Bowl get into the Hall of Fame? And the answer would continue to be no. So unless Derek Carr makes the Hall of Fame, or excuse me, unless Derek Carr finishes his career here in New Orleans and has a Super Bowl win, then obviously there's not going to be really any conversation around him, despite how good he may have been, all of that. Y'all just watch me go through like a whole, watch me go through a whole thing when I read my notes wrong. Y'all see what happens? This is why I pre-record so often so that y'all don't ever have to watch me go through that, but y'all know what I'm saying. Um, so Eli Manning's got two. If he gets in, then all of a sudden it just continues the the trend of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks getting Hall of Fame. And now like that conversation is so steep that there are even people out there, I'm not one of them, but there are even people out there who say, well, Drew Brees is maybe on the cusp of being a Hall of Fame quarterback because he's only got one Super Bowl ring. Like that's how much the Super Bowl conversation in the Hall of Fame is, which is ridiculous because Super Bowls are a team thing. It's a team stat. It's not a quarterback stat. Now we all know, we all know, of course, of course, that Drew Brees is going to be a Hall of Famer. He absolutely needs to be, absolutely should be. I only ever refer to Drew Brees now as future Hall of Fame quarterback. Drew Brees. And so I think that like the live stream life is indeed real. You're absolutely right. And so I think that like there are these quarterbacks out there and Dan Marino is a good example as well. Thank you. Yeah, Dan Marino. And so there are quarterbacks out there that have good arguments that don't have Super Bowl wins outside of the ones that we've named that don't have Super Bowl wins, including the recent edition here. Uh, But if you look at like Philip Rivers and some of these others that have good conversations around them, They don't have Super Bowl wins. Derek Carr is probably in that category if he finishes his career strong. If he finishes in New Orleans with over 4,000 passing yards and, you know, 30 and around 30 touchdowns or over 30 touchdowns in each of the next few seasons, then all of a sudden you're in a situation here to where there's even more of a conversation around Derek Carr then than there can be now. But then if he wins a Super Bowl or two, before his career is over, whether they be whether that be with New Orleans or elsewhere, and he goes and gets an end, you know, in game uh, uh, Super Bowl, kind of like Matt Stafford might have done here over the course of the past couple of years, then then all of a sudden the conversation becomes a little bit more easier for Derek Carr. But you're projecting still a little bit, and that's kind of the rule of thumb for the rest of the New Orleans Saints offense. They don't really have any clear and decisive Hall of Famers. If Michael Thomas gets back on track and stays healthy and plays out another you know, six years or something. I don't know what you have to play four or five years uh, of high level, let's say three or four, three or four years of high level football. Then all of a sudden, bam, like you're in a situation to where he might be a part of that conversation because the Super Bowl thing's not really going to matter as much, but he's got the offensive rookie of the year. He's got that incredible season where he broke uh, Mar- Marvin Harrison's record, all of those other things. But can he do that? Does he do that? Again, you're projecting towards the end of the career. Alvin Kamara, there's only been a few running backs out there that haven't ever rushed for a thousand yards, but still made the Hall of Fame. Uh, there are a couple that are you know out there. Um, uh, uh, Ali Matson is obviously one of them. His highest was only 924 uh, rushing yards. And there are a couple of others as well. You look at guys out there who have had careers that are arguably Hall of Fame worthy. And I think that one of the things you have to consider when it comes to Alvin Kamara is that he was never just a running back. He was always an offensive threat. He was always an offensive weapon. And so guys that can come out there and run for 600 yards in a season, 800 yards in a season, but then also catch passes for an additional four or 500 yards in a season, there has to be some consideration there. 
And so I, yes, and uh, St. Uh, John Butler's right. Michael Thomas also has two first team all pros in his favor as well. And so I think like you look at Kamara, Kamara is one of those guys that has a really, really interesting pathway if he gets it. Like Alvin Kamara would be one of the coolest Hall of Fame stories. Now, it'll be interesting to see how this ongoing legal situation potentially impacts that moving forward as well. But either way, like removing any of the off-field stuff, him being, you know, the continued all-around, all-purpose threat that he's been his entire career with the exception of the past couple of seasons when the Saints kind of weren't using him right, he didn't really have the partner, all these other things. If he can get back to that with, you know, Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller at his side, and all of a sudden he's tearing defenses up left and right in the run game and in the passing game, he'll have a really, really intriguing one. I mean, this is a guy that has only been in the NFL since 2017, and he's right there behind Marcus Colston for the top, you know, for the number of touchdowns in a, a career. And Marcus Colston did that over the course of several years. And Alvin Kamara is right on his tail. So I do think that there are some things there to where like, for sure, Alvin Kamara could be a Saints Hall of Famer, but he's got to finish his career out really, really strong in order to get into that sort of NFL Hall of Fame conversation, just based on how much the NFL Hall of Fame is kind of like critical about certain things. So I look at guys like Derek Carr, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara being in that conversation. You wonder about guys like Ryan Ramchick, maybe Eric McCoy later on down the line. But the point uh, point being, and I agree here, Nismo says the Hall of Fame using morality is laughable. So this is exactly where I was going here. The point being on the offensive side, it's a little bit harder to identify future Hall of Famers on the Saints than it is over on the defensive side. And look, there's probably some criteria that the NFL uses, but to Nismo's point and exactly where I was going here, the NFL making judgment calls on players be about whether or not they should be immortalized in the Hall of Fame based upon morality is kind of ridiculous, just based upon some of the other decisions that the NFL have made throughout their time. And yes, I'm talking about off-field stuff, but I'm also talking about just their sheer lack of determination and their sheer lack of consistency in decision-making as a whole and as a league. And that doesn't go against all of the NFL. We all know where that comes from and where that all starts. And so there's a lot of interesting sort of things that you have to kind of look at if you're thinking about, okay, how will the NFL judge this versus how do maybe we judge it versus how do maybe some of these players judge it, all of that. So for me, like it's much, much easier to find the guys over on the defensive side, Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Tyron Matthew, that are having Hall of Fame trajectory careers. Marshawn Lattimore might not be that far off. Then over on the offensive side where you see guys like, you know, Derek Carr, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and then maybe some of the offensive linemen that are in situations where they have to have those strong finishes to their career before they can really get into that class of conversation. And so I think that you look at all those. And of course, there's the younger guys, Chris Olave, all that. Like, I'd love to, you know, bang the drum and be super, you know, hype about these guys, but they just simply haven't played long enough. So that that's a wait and see situation. So that's where we are. And I got my little venting out about the NFL too. That felt really good. That felt really nice. Um, this must be why like therapists tell you to talk about things. I get it. I talked about it. I feel better. The NFL stinks sometimes. Um, all right. So uh, I got a question here from DJ who asked, uh, are you doing a show tomorrow night about the first day of OTAs? I also got Tyrone saying Ross Jackson for Hall of Fame. I appreciate you. I'll be in the Locked On Hall of Fame. That's for sure. I'll claim my spot right now. I'm in the Locked On Hall of Fame. No doubt about that. 
But to answer DJ's question and to let all the everydayers know what you're going to be able to find on the show tomorrow, the morning episode, we're taking a look over the defensive side of the football. What are some of the things that we're hoping to learn about the New Orleans Saints during OTAs? And then as soon as I get home and I'm done writing and doing everything that I need to do coming home from OTAs, we'll go live and I'll give you everything you need to know about OTAs as well. So we'll, we'll it might not be nighttime. It might actually be a little bit earlier. Like usually I do this around 630 or so. I'll probably end up being able to go a little bit earlier tomorrow so I can get you everything you need to know about OTAs. So you'll get everything here on the show tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, what we're looking for on the defensive side, offensive side's already out. That was this morning's episode. And then Tuesday night, everything you need to know from the first day of OTAs. And then we'll share video clips and interviews and all that stuff throughout the rest of the week as well. So appreciate y'all as always making Locked on Saints a part of your day. And of course, making us your first listen every single day to all the everydayers out there, including my guy, Tavis, who I wanted to give a quick shout out to as well for checking out the show. And of course, for showing all the love and the support listens to a bunch of locked on shows. So thank you very much for the support, Tavis. And thank you all for all of the support as well for being here for the live show and catching it later. Thank you so much as always for making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me say hi, and if you want to continue the conversation beyond this point, you can go ahead and continue the conversation with me one-on-one over at jointsubtext.com slash LockedOnSaints. As always, if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.